What's up, all you old school, new school listening motherfuckers? It's that time of the week again. It's another episode of Old School, New School Comedy Podcast. And I am your trashy, shit-talking host, Christy Miller. And with me in the studio this week is a a really good friend of mine. Oh, and we're also recording here at the Comic Strip in uh, New York City every week. Uh, and uh, in the studio with me this week is a really funny dude. He's only about four or so years in, yeah. but he's got it. Like, this kid has got it. And I love watching him grow, and I love watching him blossom. Um, you may have seen him if you've been in New York City, or he may have run you over in his wheelchair because you ain't shit. <laughs> I just want to introduce you Mike Favor, everybody. Thank hey. you. <laughs> so uh tell me how long so when did you start comedy? Like what made you wanna be a comic? I actually signed up to do my first comedy show two days before my birthday in twenty nineteen. And then I did my first I did my first open mic in April of twenty nineteen. So four years, about four and a half years. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Nice. What made you want to do comedy? Um, it was always something I wanted to try, but it was, it was one of those things like I just didn't know. I just didn't know like how to get into it, mm-hmm. who to talk to to get into it. But then you know, I just um, I looked at this website called Bad Slava, and they had like open mics around. Oh no! Matter of fact, what happened was. Um, Broadway Comedy Club, you know, they have the industry room. Mm-hmm. And I kept seeing an ad for the industry room on Facebook. Okay. So I was like, oh, maybe that's the way I can get into comedy. So I signed up to do that. And then I just did open mics for like the next three months before the show. Wow. Good yeah. job. So, so it was cool. Nice. So, uh, beginning to be a comic yeah. it's like it, to me it's in your blood right you know for me it was like i've wanted to do it since i was like seven years old yeah but i thought that never happens to people like me right you yeah, know yeah. and like i was never like oh that would never happen to me those are the cool kids and then all of a sudden i'm doing it you know what it is about comedy when you're not a stand-up comic it's like people that don't do it they only get to see the finish yes like the finished product Yep. So I only knew stand-up from, like, people's specials. Right. And it was like, I thought that's how comedy worked. And then I had friends that would go to open mics. And they're like, oh, no, they got open mics over here. So I'm like, oh, maybe I should do And then you get that fear of, like, what if nobody responds to my jokes? Or what if people boo me? <laughs> so it was always that thing. I was always in my head about it. And then I gave it a shot. And I got laughs at my first open mic. And I was nice. like, all right. And then once I got laughs at my first open mic, and like the first time I heard a laugh, I was like, oh, this is what comedians are always talking about. When they talk yep. about that feeling when you get a laugh, I was like, oh, yeah, this is it. That's a high you cannot yeah. replicate. When you make a whole room of people laugh, Yeah, like I it's, th- it's a high. I think once you get that first laugh, you get that, ah, oh, this yeah, you get that, like, ah, oh, this is it type of thing. Yeah. Like, 
So once I felt that, I was like, I'm stuck now. <laughs> I'm, You're hooked. Yeah. Yep. It's like a drug dealer. Hey, come on to this open mic. Yeah, it's free. Don't right, worry yeah, about yeah, it. Yeah. And all of a sudden, t- 10 months later, you're sucking dick for a five-minute <laughs> spot in a bringer show. You're like, man, you got that old mic. Thing. Right. Because it was like, I wanted, to be, I wanted to be everywhere in the beginning and do everything. Right. I, I'm still like that now. But in the when that first year or so, you're like, I just want to be everywhere. Yeah. It's 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 in it's like a you can't you can't fight it. And it's like it's in your blood. Like right, it's a part right. of you and you can't describe it. You can't create it or manifest it just happens. It's like you you just wanna be on stage. And I always find like as the years go by you know, it's like if I don't get on stage for a few days, I'm really fucked up. Yeah, I'm always like that. Like, I'll sit home for a few days mm-hmm. and I'm like, all right, I got to do something. <laughs> I can't do this. And people who don't do it, like, they don't really understand that feeling of like when you haven't done it for, because they look at it like, what do you mean? Like, you got a show next week? Like, next week is like. That's like, Ball. yeah, that's yeah. like years away. Right. It's like, it's, it's so insane. Like, I'm like, oh my God, I got to wait three days to get on stage. Right. Fuck my life. And I, I talked to my, like one of my older sisters about it, mm-hmm. like just stand up in general. And she was like, you know, you were always naturally funny. Mm-hmm. So this is why you took to it because this is what you're supposed to be doing. Yep. Like I, everything else you did in life. That's not what you were supposed to be. Doing. No, but it led you to this. Yeah, like yeah, you had yeah. to go through all that stuff just to be right, right. in this position to be able to do this. Right, now, right. tell us more about who Mike Favor is. Like, tell us about you. Um, well, I'm a kid that was born in the Bronx. Uh-huh. Raised in Queens. Um, I got like nine siblings. Wow. <laughs> Um, me and my older biological sister, we, we both have cerebral palsy. Oh, wow. And we were adopted. Together. I didn't even notice. <laughs> <laughs> He's in a wheelchair, people. Come on. Nothing? Is this thing on? <laughs> but we, um, yeah, me and my older biological sister, we were both adopted together. Aww. So we grew up in Queens. And then we found our biological family wow. when I was 23. And how old are you now? 39. Wow. So we found my biological family wow. 16 years ago. Wow. Yeah. And how was that? It was surreal. Like, it, it almost seemed like it wasn't happening when it was happening. The unfortunate thing was my biological mom had passed away five years before we came oh, along. No. But I met, like, my other seven siblings. So that was cool. And I met, like, a bunch of aunts and uncles and... My grandmother. Oh, that's so beautiful. Yeah, so it was cool. Like, that was... Beautiful shit doesn't happen like that in stand-up. What are you doing? <laughs> You're going to ruin it. <laughs> but it was, it, was, it was cool going from... Because I grew up in a house like with my, bi- with my biological sister, my two adopted sisters, my mother, and at times my nieces. Aww. So it was just me and, like, a house full of women. And Damn. For- <laughs> and foster kids, because my mom right. was like, a foster parent, so she had foster kids. And I, I hate it. Like, even though, like, I was adopting myself, like, when the other foster kids were, I'm like, yeah, you need to... You need to step, get yeah. to stepping. Like, yo, you're taking them on my spot. You're like, like, yo, this is temporary, bitch. Yeah, like, I'm a permanent fixture like, in this I motherfucker. I live here, there's paperwork, <laughs> you gotta go. Yeah, I live here, you just visiting, bitch. Yeah, but, yeah, meeting my, meeting my, I think meeting my biological family, it kind of led to everything else, because it kind of freed me up. Right. Because I spent 
the first 20, like 20, maybe 19, 20 years of my life, like, <laughs> shit. I spent like the first. Here, like, why don't you, the mic's falling over. Why don't you just hold it? So I spent That's like better. the first, like 19, 20 years of my life. Like, basically trying to figure out who my mother was and mm-hmm. where I came from and stuff like that. And once all of that kind of came about, it kind of freed me up to be the person I wanted to be, I guess. It filled in the blanks. Yeah, yeah, It, it, yeah. it totally put in the, uh, filled in all the blanks of what all the missing pieces. Right, right, right. But then again, as a kid, you could just make shit up. Yeah, I, <laughs> I used to. So I'm going to tell you a story. Like, okay. So... so I didn't find out I was adopted until I was seven. Oh, shit. Right. And the way I found out was we were watching a show about adoption <laughs> on HBO. <laughs> so me so me just being like a goofy seven-year-old, I asked my mom, was I adopted? And she oh goes, yeah. And just left it like that. Damn. And I was like, oh. No context. Yeah, I was like, oh, okay. So then she's like, oh, yeah, you know, your mom, she has some issues. And, like, she put you guys up for adoption and all that kind of stuff. Because I knew I had, like, cousins that were adopted. Right. Because that was, like, my family's thing. was, like, they adopted kids. Right. So I knew I had cousins that were adopted. So I just thought I'd ask. And when she said, yeah, it was just kind of like, oh. Well, shit. You're like, I'm growing up in a rescue. Not, yeah, yeah. <laughs> not like, a house. <laughs> so then the next day she comes to me and she goes, and you also have a brother. She was like, you also have a brother, an older brother. His name is Kenny. And she gave me a picture of him and me from when we were like babies. Oh, my God. And I was like, oh, okay. And then I just kept the picture of him. And I would make up lies about, like, my brother living <laughs> with us and all this stuff. Because it was like, I don't know, like, you're seven. So you just, yeah. like, you're trying to figure stuff out. And yeah. I was just like, yeah, my brother, like, he doesn't live with me at all. I don't know where he's We at. had his ass deported. We yeah, <laughs> so it was weird when I finally met him because I had to tell him, like, you know, when I was a kid, like, I used to make up stories about you. <laughs> like, now you're, like, in my face. That's uh, hilarious. Yeah. He's all, keep talking shit. Dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, stuff like that when I was, so, yeah, when I was seven, I found out. And then it was just, I don't know, I went through different phases of like at first i didn't care and then mm-hmm. you get to a point where you're growing up and you're like a teenager oh yeah and you're just like oh fuck this and fuck everything <laughs> and fuck everybody yeah it and happened then in my 20s like my early 20s it was you know i found them and it was cool and you know it wasn't it hasn't always been easy because we came back into the family and they accepted us pretty fairly easily it wasn't like a big thing it was just like yeah you're part of the family now you're like oh you found your way back yeah yeah (laughs) and so then you know you have your usual sibling things especially when it's so many siblings right you have your sibling things but you know we get along for the most part that's fantastic a lot of personalities in one yeah (laughs) (laughs) a lot of shit talking yeah yeah, yeah. a lot of trash talking right a lot of like fights, pinning everybody against each other. Right. Yeah. yeah of course. That's that's typical sibling rivalry. Yeah. Yeah. So you know, it's been that some of that, but for the most part, everybody we're cool. That's awesome. Yeah. So now, cut to, you're doing stand-up comedy. How do they feel about it? My family, um, my adopted mom, my mom, like she, she, when I told them about it, 
she was like, well, it's about time. Like, I don't know know what took you so long, but I'm glad you figured it out. Um, My sisters and my brothers, they're cool. Like, they've come to shows. They're supportive. And they, they, like, they're happy I'm doing it. I think for everybody, it wasn't so much of a thing of, like, why are you doing this? Like, Mm -hmm. what took you so long? Yeah. Could you probably, yeah, yeah, making everybody laugh all the time. Yeah. Like, you need to be on stage. Yeah, because I would, like, sit and just crack jokes on everybody for, mm-hmm. like, maybe, like, an hour. <laughs> and be like, you should be, I remember, like, I have this friend named Jen, and she's mixed. Like, she's white and mm-hmm. Hispanic. Mm-hmm. And I brought up one day in front of our friends, like, you know, like, you say nigga a lot, and you're <laughs> white. <laughs> and then I just went into this whole thing about her being white and oh, saying nigga. Hilarious. And how everybody's let her get away with it for so long. <laughs> and then that I think that was the moment in my brain where I was like, I really probably could do. Yeah. Like, stand up. But, it all, you know what's weird? It almost feels kind of insulting. Like, as when you're not a stand-up, to mm-hmm. think that you could do stand-up. Like when people tell me now, and they're just like, "I think I could go do." Like, no, you, no you bitch, couldn't. you can't. No. Yeah, like, see, there's there's people that you know it's in you. Right. You don't. You never go. You know, I think I'm gonna do stand up and just do it. That doesn't work that way. Yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. it's almost like it's this hidden like addiction that we have. Like we right. start to sort. You know, we start seeking it out. Like like we're doing something naughty behind everybody's back. Like yeah. we're secretly writing jokes and secretly fantasizing and then we go to open mics and we don't tell anybody right away. It's funny you say that because I got a friend and he mm-hmm. always brings up the fact that when I first started doing comedy he didn't even know mm-hmm. because I was going to open mics Yeah, I wasn't telling people I was going to open because mics. Because you're actually a comic. Yeah, yeah. Real, real comics we just do it. We don't have time for the bullshit. Right. And then one day I was like, hey, I got a show in June. He was like, when did you start doing comedy? I'm like, I've been. He's like, I didn't even know. I'm like, yeah, I just really didn't want anybody coming to the open mics. Yeah, it's like when you start out doing stand up, it's like when you're fucking an ugly person and you don't want your friends to know because yeah, they're going to yeah. clown you. Yeah. You know, and it's like, oh, I've been fucking this bitch for a long time. Because when you first start, you're horrible. Yeah. Even if you think you're not. Like, yeah. when you look back at it, you're horrible. Yeah, but it's like, but that's where you are. And right, I always yeah. try to tell New Jacks when I, you know, because I'm 27 and a half years right, in. Right, right, right. So when I see New Jacks, they're like, oh, I need to, I'm like, no, you're right where you're supposed to be. Right. So don't rush it because you're not, you'll never, if you rush it, you're never going to hit it. You're, you're going to be too ahead of yourself and not I, hit it. I'll say this is like a a, a younger comic. Like, mm-hmm. I know the reason why a lot of comics are like that now because of social media. Yeah. Like social media and watching everybody else's career. That's the thing I think about social media is different from other time periods in yep. comedy. Especially like, my time period. Yeah. like In the 90s. We didn't have social media. Yeah. So I wasn't worried of what the next guy was doing. Right. All we focused on was writing jokes and getting better because that's how you got booked. It wasn't off of followers because if you had followers, you were like a cult leader. Right. You know, like <laughs> it was creepy. You had an entourage. Only MC Hammer had an entourage back then. Right. You know, we didn't. If he had traveled people deep, you're like, mmm, creepy. Yeah. You know, but now it's like watching everybody post their best post yeah. their coolest and everybody thinks everybody's bigger than what they really or are post that they have this going on and mm-hmm. that going on, and then you they ain't shit even though you've been in it like two years you're like why didn't i get that and you're yep. like why and i started thinking why the fuck would i get that in like two years they're like yeah right <laughs> doing comedy for like 
15 years. Yeah, exactly. I just started two years ago, and I think I should be where this person's at. Well, I always think that, too, being at 27 years in, I see these new kids getting all this stuff, but I'm like... I'm sucking the wrong dick. <laughs> this is some bullshit. I am too old for this social media game. I don't know how to get followers. I don't even can't even spell algorithm, let alone figure out what it is. It's like the G spot. I can't find it. Good night. And me, like I post stuff on social media, but I don't really care about social media. Right. So I just do everything like the old school way of mm -hmm. like, oh, there's this spot here. Let me go over here. I'm gonna be over here. Because I, I always here. find too that people that are so into their social media, and there's nothing wrong with that right, right you know right. that that's a gift that's a 24-hour job is social media right. i don't have that kind of time because i'm writing and creating and i always find that to me i could be wrong but mm -hmm. this is just my opinion everybody's gonna hate me for this real comics don't give a fuck about social media right they are on that stage they're on that grind and they're writing and they're grinding it out hard they're yeah. not they don't have time to like oh i'm gonna be doing this bringer show i'm at this spot bitch no one cares about the coffee shop nobody cares <laughs> shut the sit the fuck down like i'll post stuff just out of respect of like i may know the the producer and it's like i'm gonna show them respect by just posting like yo look I'll be over here. If you want to come, come. If you don't, I really don't give a shit. Right. But it's like, yeah, whatever. I don't either. And it's like, um, I'll post it just to, because some people always ask me, when are you going up again? I want to pop in. Right. So I just post if, um, and this, like the shows that don't really mean much or just, you know, like work, because a lot of it for me is like working out. I got to go work on material. So right, right, you don't right. need to come to that. But like the other shows, I'll post it just to help. Like, hey, I'm going to be here this weekend. Yeah, at because, Joe Blow's show. Because and, not for nothing, like those shows at some point, like especially for somebody like you who's been in it for 27 years, like shows sometimes, smaller shows become like your open mics. Yeah, they are. Yeah, so they, they're like, all my open mics. Right. Like they're that's my workout. Like it's like for me, I always think of them, and I don't think of them as an open mic. I think of it as I'm going to the gym. Right. Because yeah, I'm yeah, a gym yeah. rat, so I'm going to the gym. I'm working out. Right. So when I hit the A rooms or go on the road or I'm headlining somewhere, right. that's where I showcase all the work I've done. That's like right. going yeah, to the gym, yeah, yeah. lifting. You do like a 12 week program. At the 12th week, you're on that platform, deadlifting, squatting, and benching. They don't see all the work you've done in the gym yeah. before that. So that's how I think of it. So for me like i like you like i'll see some shows and like oh this show don't really mean much so let me try out some new stuff or yeah you know just work on what i've been working on to see how it lands and if it lands well over here when the mm -hmm. big show comes i'll yep. do it over there yep because some jokes i do it, it won't work and i'll just like yeah let me not and some jokes it's like you try it and you're like, all right, it didn't work this time, but it has potential. And some jokes are just like, that joke is absolute trash. Yeah, but I also give jokes three strikes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I do it three times. And if it doesn't And work. if it's two out of three gets a laugh, I'll keep it and work on it. Right, yeah. But if it's one out of three, mm, I'll, I'll put it aside and think about it for later. Right. Or, and if it doesn't get a laugh all three times, I know it's garbage. Right, yeah, but yeah, But I, yeah. like, uh, a couple weeks ago, I was with Teddy Smith, who's yeah. my best friend, and he was doing a show at a spot in New Jersey. So I went with him, and he goes, just come and meet the guy get spots out there he pays i'm like all right cool it's it's jersey city it's literally i live in midtown so yeah, it takes yeah. me 20 minutes to get there right it's yeah, faster yeah. to get to jersey city than brooklyn yeah so it's like what am i thinking i might as well get on the path train and go right so i go and then one of the comics didn't but the guy saw me at the gay and sober event i headlined for gay pride weekend mm -hmm. 
And he goes, I was going to say hi, but I didn't have time. And I was running around. And I'm like, oh, that's okay. And, yeah. and he goes, oh, um, one of the comics isn't showing up. Would you want to go up for eight minutes? And I said, sure, I'll go up. And, and Teddy's like, what do you want to work on? And I said, it's eight minutes. It's not enough time for me to work on anything. Because, you know, my bits are long. Yeah, you yeah, know yeah, how yeah. I am. I, am on, I always tell people I need like a two to three minute light right, so yeah. I can land the plane. Mm -hmm. So I went up. And I just did. I just ranted. I just went off the cuff. I did no material for eight minutes and I murdered it. And then I right. had, then the guy's like, he gave me four spots the next morning. But that's it's like, but that's, yeah. but I've been doing it a long time. So I can, I'm at that stage where I can go up with no yeah. material and, and just, just rip uh, yeah. and just go off the cuff on ideas. Mm -hmm. So, um, but it's, you know it's different you know generations so like as you get better because i know you're gonna you're gonna be something in this industry thank and you. and i don't say that to anybody right, and you probably you. know me by now yeah, that yeah, i hate yeah, everybody yeah, yeah. i'm <laughs> i fucking think everybody's a piece of shit until right, proven yeah. different <laughs> but when i first saw you i was like that time when we did alex star show at dangerfields years ago yeah when you just started i'm like this kid's got something thank i go you. he has it like you have just a natural even your storytelling, you had me dying laughing last week. <laughs> and, but, uh, so, um, for the kids out at home that are listening to this show, uh, tell me, um, I, I have this thing with Mike Favor that I want to follow him around with a camera crew and create like a pseudo reality show about him and his girlfriend because yeah. they are hilarious. So, <laughs> um, tell us about your girlfriend and, um, Lauren, she she also <laughs> has cerebral palsy. Do you guys ever play bumper cars? Nah, we never, we never play bumper cars. But that's like she's like um, she's really helped me believe in like if you have the right person with yep. you, yep, you can do anything. Kind of falls into place mm -hmm. because um, you know, I've been with her for a little while now, and mm -hmm. it seems like ever since we've been together, everything is just going how i mm -hmm. wanted to go yep and it's because i have a person at home who supports, supports me and she's never like looked at me negatively when things don't go my way and when i'm getting pissed about things that are happening in comedy yep she's like well you, that's how it goes like you can't like she's right you just gotta brush it. it off yeah tomorrow's a new day and like, i'm just up there like i want to fucking quit fuck yeah. this shit <laughs> and she's like what like you're one of the best like comedians like you gotta relax yourself yeah like you're four years in relax. yeah like and something else will come along yeah and then like i'll get upset like if i don't have shows for like a week Mm. And she's like, your comedy career is not over. Like, just yeah, she's relax. right. She's Pull right. yourself back. Like, yeah. If you're a real comic, you want to quit every day. Yeah. Every day, I'm like, I quit. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and they're like, mm, no, you're not. Because the business side of it is it's so brutal. shitty. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, you just like, fucking suck. Yeah. Like, but then you love it so much. So then the next opportunity that comes along, you could say, like, on Tuesday morning, uh -huh. I fucking hate this shit, I'm ready to quit, and then Tuesday night, somebody be like, I got this spot, I'm there, don't even worry about it, I'll be there, to I'll be there tonight, and this morning, I just said I wanted to quit. Mm -hmm. So, you know, she's, she's real supportive, she's funny herself. She is funny, I think she's hilarious. She, yeah, she is, and it's, like, unassuming Mm -hmm. hilarious because she just says things off the cuff and she's like <laughs> what like where did that come from 
But yeah, she's real supportive. She if she could, she would come to every show. No, she's awesome. Yeah. I think she's adorable. And I think she you is. guys I, are really good together. I love her to death. I want you best. to tell the story that I love about the accessoride. Just tell me that story which, wait, that which, you told me last week when we were in Bayside together. Oh, how she, she <laughs> lost. Yeah, so tell the story. Tell the story. So we had this she had she had this ride service <laughs> called Medi and um she lost it. <laughs> Because she made like she was drinking and made like rides for everybody for the Medi. It was like six different rides, (laughs) and then they wrote her a letter like yo. I like as soon as she made the last ride, they must have typed up this letter like yo, you're out of here. We're done. You can't use it. You can only use the regular accessorize. So now I gotta use the train to go everywhere. And then you know we had that show last week in Bayside and Bayside is like the end of the fucking world. Shout out to Stephen Pantolitas though but that kid is a hustler. Yeah but Bayside is fucking horrible because you got to take the Long Island Railroad Mm -hmm. to get to Bayside which is still in New York City. Yeah. So it was just like it took forever. (laughs) <laughs> but I love Steven, but Bayside fucking sucks. Yeah, go fuck yourself. Yeah, get, like get I, down the street. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah. So, so when you went to call Medi, what happened? They yeah we <laughs> so the 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 week before this show, I had a ride. I thought I had a ride to go to Bayside for that show. Right. So we went and typed in the address on Medi, and it was just like you were no longer a customer. And I was like. <laughs> I had to hit up Steve, and I didn't charge my wheelchair up or anything. Oh, so my God. I had to hit up Steve, and like, yo, it's not going to happen. <laughs> like, it's not happening. And then they called her, like, a few days ago. I was like, yeah, you made a bunch of rides on June 29th, and none of it made sense. So we just canceled the service. And I was like, yo, I knew it. I fucking knew that day was the day that did us in. But, yeah, so now I'm back to taking the train everywhere. Damn. Yeah, it's cool. It's, it sucks sometimes, but it's cool. <laughs> it sucks because, like, the MTA trip planner thing yeah. always gives, like, the wrong, like, stuff. Yeah. Or it gives you, like, up so an elevator could break while you're in the train and yep. you don't know it until yep. you get off. Until you get off the train. And then you, like, go to the elevator and it's like, oh, now I got to take another fucking train. To another elevator. Yeah, Oh, yeah. my God. So it's, it's, it has its moments where it's annoying, but <laughs> I got to do what I got to do. No, you're doing it. You're doing it. And uh, I want to know, so where have, I know you've been showcasing a lot lately mm-hmm. and you've been getting yourself out there. How's that been going? It's fun. It's fun. Like I did, um, we're at the comic strip and I did an audition here on Tuesday. How'd it go? It went all right. It wasn't like my greatest set ever, but sure. it wasn't. I had to follow Adam Sandler. That was <laughs> one. That was fucking nuts. Like that. It was, That'll put hair on your chest. But you gotta follow the big guys. That's how you get stronger. Yeah, but it's funny because I wrote about it on Facebook and people mm-hmm. took it as if I was saying I was nervous about following Adam Sandler, and I, I wasn't saying it like that. I was just saying like I can't fucking believe. On the night of my audition, you're gonna get blown out yeah, by Adam Sandler. Like Adam Sandler. <laughs> it was funny because I came in, and they were like checking me in, like you know, this is the time you got, this is this, that, that, and I heard somebody say, "Hi, Adam," behind me, 
But I'm not thinking of Adam Sandler. Right, I'm of thinking course. it's just some regular fucking comedian named yep. Adam. So I didn't yep. even turn around or anything. <laughs> I come I come in the showroom and they're like they're like, Oh, um, you know, we got this next comedian. But before that <laughs> before that, we got Adam Sandler. And if there's a video out there anywhere oh. of it, you could audibly hear me say Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, I'm following Adam Sand. Like, that's incredible that that's I got. And the set was cool. It was a cool set. It wasn't, like I said, it wasn't my greatest set ever. I didn't change the world with it. But it was, I know I did better than everybody else who auditioned that night. Of course. But it was like, you know, I followed Adam Sandler and... It's like, and I said it when I got on stage. I was like, imagine being the guy that has to follow Adam Sandler. It's like you're going to go home to all your friends and be like, there was Adam Sandler. And then for some reason, Me. some nigga in the wheelchair <laughs> was there. I don't know like what that was about. <laughs> that was his shtick to yeah. follow Adam Sandler. You should have went up and said, you know, I was walking, but I saw I had to follow Adam and Sandler. I was like, so I, I got to do something. Up. Yeah, like I got to do something shticky. <laughs> so it was like Adam Sandler and Tony Rock were there that night and i but i know i did good because tony rock like looked at me after my set and was just like gave me a thumbs up yeah and i was like all right that's cool like i know i did a good <laughs> like if nothing else comes to this night tony yeah. rock gave me a thumbs up and if not you should just ran them motherfuckers over outside yeah, yeah. <laughs> but to follow to have an audition show with adam sandler on it is like that's something like I'll probably talk about for the rest of my life. That like when I had an audition at the comic strip. That's really funny. Yeah, like he just so happened to be there that night, and the fact that I heard his name, and, and didn't you said, "Get the fuck out!" Yeah, of here. like fuck I was like, you. "You gotta be fucking like <laughs> Adam Sandler." And then I wrote it, and everybody's in the comments like, "Oh, don't worry, you got this." I'm like, I didn't say I was nervous. I just yeah, said, "Motherfucker." Yeah, like they're distracted now because of Adam Sandler. Yeah, because it does it disorients the audience because they're like, "Ah, oh, it's Adam Sandler." Ah. Yeah, and then and then, like, then some crippled motherfucker in a wheelchair yeah, like, talking smack. Motherfucker, we, we got this regular dude <laughs> who's never been in a movie following like the guy. You grew up watching on TV. Yep. So it that's was how cool it happens. Though. Yeah, it was a cool. But that's a good. It's a good experience for young comics to yeah, do that yeah, because yeah. you really it shows you your grit. Because yeah. I remember when I was starting out, and you know, I just got at that point, I was just made a paid regular at the comedy store in Los mm -hmm. Angeles. So, you know, it's a continuous show every 15 minutes from right. eight to two. Mm -hmm. So the headliner would go on at 10 mm -hmm. and they usually had a 30 minute spot not a 15 but they would blow the light because they were assholes right you know and they knew everybody was there to see them so it was either carlos mencia joe rogan dom Irera, dice eddie griffin yeah the, the, the list of the 90s big guys back then i uh, i watched and, the the comedy store documentary and they talked about like how eddie griffin and dice like, they would all go on for, like, hours, hours. And hours. When Eddie would walk in, we would all just go, good night, and we just leave. Because <laughs> we knew his stupid ass wasn't getting off stage for nothing. So I know this is your show, obviously, and you're the interviewer. But could I ask you, like, of course. what was that like for you to get past at the comedy stuff? Because that's one of those clubs where it's, like, everybody knows the comedy stuff. Yeah, store, it so. was, I, you know, I grew up there. I cut my teeth there. So right. um, being passed by Mitzi Shore and how much she loved me back then right. was like, holy shit. It's yeah, the yeah, godmother yeah, yeah. of comedy, and she loves me. Like, right, she, right. she gave me everything. And then as she got sicker and sicker, you know, she got 
detached and more detached. And then mm-hmm. that guy, scumbag Tommy, yeah. came in and took it over and just kind of pushed us old heads out and decided he was going to be. It was very. Tommy's relationship with Mitzi was very much like Norman Bates and Psycho. Like he would literally put her wig on and sit in her chair and do show. And he even started talking like her. Like it was creepy. I'm like, don't take a shower in this fucking place because he's going to stab you. See, I'm not going to lie. Like I'm like low key obsessed with like the comedy store. Sure. Like that's like my dream. That's You know, my name's on the building. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's like that's the spot. Like I'll, I'll feel like I made it somewhere when I can get booked at the comedy store. Because I've watched the documentary, I listen to the podcast, so yep. I know, like, the whole history. Mm-hmm. It's, like, even, like, somewhere, like, the comic strip. Like, I know, like, the whole history, the history of, the of this place. Yeah, yeah, like, so just for me to get an audition here, it was, like, man, like, this is where, like, Eddie Murphy started, mm-hmm. Adam Sandler, Chris Rock, you know? Like, I saw the three-hour video of Dave Chappelle here back in, like, 2009 right so it's like when you when you come to places like this the comic strip the sellers yep like you you know you if you're a real comic you know yeah it's historic and it's not you know not to shit on younger comics but i think a lot of shit on them (laughs) i think a lot of um younger comics don't know their history um, I was just having this conversation about how these new jacks don't know their comedy history. And yeah. it's like, then why are you a comic? Right. If you don't know your history and you weren't raised on it, or at least were like into it, how do you yeah. even know how to do stand-up? Like, why are you even doing it? And that's why I think a lot of them are going to fall off the wayside. But that's the thing. A lot of them don't know how to do stand-up. Yeah. And it's like... I learned quickly, like, going into comedy is like... It's kind of like the NBA. Mm-hmm. So it's like you have these comedians that come from these small towns and they may be funny from where they're at. Yep. And then you get here in, into the big leagues. Yeah. Yep. And then you realize, oh, everybody's kind of funny in their own way mm-hmm. here. And then you realize or you don't realize that you're not as funny as you were in fucking Iowa somewhere. Yeah, in bumfuck Michigan or something. Like, okay, go home. So then that's what happens with a lot of these comedians. They have a false sense of, um, they have a false sense of, like, how funny they really are. Yeah, they have no self-awareness yeah. of how they are on stage. And if you look at a lot of the comedy now, it's all mediocre. Yeah. Like when I did that room out in Jersey, mm-hmm. it was just like, is this crowd stiff? Right. Or are these comics that bad? Right, right, right. And when I went up, but the first words out of my mouth, I ripped the room open. And then I just, you know, murdered them the whole time. And then the guy after me couldn't follow me. Yeah. And it was just mediocre. And then the room just dropped again. Right, and right, And it was right. like, you guys need to learn. Because like I was saying earlier, like with the Eddie Griffins, the Dom Iraras, the Dices, the, the Carlos Mencias, the Joe Rogans. And they were on at 10. I always asked Mitzi, give me the death spot. Right, yeah. I want the death spot after them when I was a young comic yeah. because I wanted to get stronger. Mm-hmm. So all it did was make me stronger and be able to command a room after they've just been, you know, ass raped for an <laughs> hour and 15 <laughs> minutes, you know, and then they yeah. and I would just jump on that wave and surf it in. But a lot of comics can't handle that. Because even like when I first when I was early on, when I was early on into it, you were one of those people that I knew. I was like, you're like big time. Aww. Like, so I was like, you know, 
if she thinks I'm good, then I'm okay. Like yeah. you, uh, Dave Lester. Oh, he's great. And a few other people like that are older comics. I don't mm-hmm. want to say old, but like the OGs. Yeah, we're the I mean? OGs. Yeah. yeah. So like, I, whenever I say old comic or new yeah, yeah, co- yeah. young comic, I don't mean age. I yeah, mean yeah, comedy yeah. age. Yeah. So it's like when I see you guys. That's when I get excited because I'll see like you guys. I'm on a show with you guys, and I'm Aww. like, I'm like, oh yeah, I get to perform with this person. And then like to have like I saw Dave I think a few days ago, and he was telling me he was like, you know, I'm a big fan of your work. And you. So when I hear you guys say like, oh you're because it it means something to me when like comics who are like in my range of mm-hmm. years, like when they say I'm funny, that's cool. But like. When the OG said, it's like, oh, yeah, I'm doing something right. Yeah, because like we're noticing because yeah. it's, it's a it's a thing, you know, especially like an OG thing. Like it's it, there's a different grind than the new kids have because they have social media. Right. They, they Everything they put on social media, little clips and this and this, all this bullshit. And it's like, yeah, but you don't have an act. Right. Like, who are you? If, if there was a sitcom about you. Who are you? What right, is your yeah, sitcom yeah. about? And they're like, uh, I would just bitch about things. That's not who you are. Yeah, like that's just I, a thing that you do to annoy people. Right. Like, who are you? Like yeah. earlier when I was asking, like, who is Mike Favor? Where does he come from? Now I have his sitcom in my head yeah. from the description. Yeah, and I base a lot of my comedy on, around those stories of like, because you know I had like a my childhood wasn't normal. No. So especially just based off the fact that I had a sibling that had the same disability that I have. So you can imagine what it was like for like me as a kid to have a sibling that has the same thing, and we went through all these things together, and we were like two years apart. Wow. But everybody swore we were twins. Wow. And it's like, no, like, she's older, but because we were both disabled and we look alike. Right. People were like, oh, no, you guys got to be twins. And then we just went through, like, this bullshit of, like, summer camps and programs for people <laughs> that it's funny because, like, when I was growing up, even if you just had a physical disability, you were put in situations with people. You were with. put in situations with people with like mental yeah. learning disabilities, and it's like you're not dumb; you're just fucked up. Right, and I'm <laughs> sitting there as a kid, like, why, like, why am I here with these people? Yeah, <laughs> and but it was like they didn't distinguish any of it. No, because then. they put everybody in a special, like, right. a learning yeah. disability or a special ed. Yeah, you know, and, and honestly, like, it wasn't till I got older. And I realized, because my mom, who adopted us, she's like 41 years older than me. Wow. So it was like, I realize now as an adult how much work that had to be for her to deal with not one, but, but two. two kids that had cerebral palsy. And I'm used to, like, now I kind of, like, that's why she was acting like that, because that probably mm-hmm. was a lot of fucking, and I wasn't any help because i was like you were you were just a kid yeah you were just being what kids do yeah and i was always like a funny person like as a little kid i would go into the doctor's office and like sit on the doctor's table and just have them laughing and she would be like you can't go in there cracking jokes (laughs) and they would be like he's fine it's fine like don't worry about it so yeah like i realized now like yeah my mom that's probably why she was like so angry all the time because she had to deal with me yep. and she had to deal with my sister. <laughs> Girl, it wasn't our disability she was pissed at it was my attitude <laughs> because i was the type of kid i didn't it was weird like i didn't like to get in trouble outside of my house mm-hmm. because i thought that like in my head i was like well if i get in trouble in school 
they could lie and tell her whatever they want. Yep. And it would make it worse for me. Mm-hmm. So I did all my shit in the house. <laughs> it's like you can see what exactly I'm what up. I'm doing. Yeah, like I'm fucking up right now, <laughs> right here. Just this much. Yeah, like, but outside, I'll be okay. Yeah. But when I get here, like, this is where I'm going to fuck this up. This is at. where I'm going to let it all out. Yeah. But I, I went to summer camps and I would fuck up a lot because... They weren't in the city. So, no. like, I knew, like, she wasn't going to come and, like, beat my ass yep. all the way in New Jersey. And they would call <laughs> him and be like, oh, he's doing this and this. He's like, yeah, that's why I sent him to you. Yeah, so you like, deal with him. <laughs> yeah, like, so he doesn't bother me. Yeah, I'm taking a break. That yeah. motherfucker wears me out. Because she'd be like, because he's, he's, like, fucking nuts. <laughs> and, you know, but... Yeah, now, you know, um, I think all the, the bad stuff I did as a kid is paying off. Yeah, it's all paying off on stage. Yeah, yeah. All that shit. It's all, that was all training ground. So, on that note, mm-hmm. I always ask comics this question because everybody has one or a or hundred bits. Um, mm-hmm. Is there a comic that has written a joke that you heard that you went, motherfuck, that is so funny and brilliant? I wish I had written that. Uh, Three. Okay. Actually. Okay. So the first one is um, Patrice O'Neill. Oh, anything Patrice said is just fucking fire. When he did the joke, he he opened up his special, the Elephant in the Room uh-huh. special, talking about the value of white women <laughs> and like how much a white woman is worth if she goes missing. And he yep. goes, he goes into this whole thing and he proves his point because he goes um. He goes, the guy, there was a girl named Natalie Holloway that got murdered back yep. in the day. And then the guy that killed her went off and killed somebody else. The Brazilian else. girl. Yeah. And yep. he, so he was like, yo, you know, what's that white girl's name that we're missing? The, the, Natalie Holloway. Yeah, like, what's the Brazilian girl? Exactly. And, yeah. And <laughs> when I saw that, I was like, that is a fucking G. And he goes into the whole thing. So the second one mm-hmm. is the 12-minute bit. From Norm McDonald. Oh. So he goes into this whole thing about um, he watches the news. It takes so many twists and turns. Like, right. It starts out with him talking about he watches the news. Then he goes into, like, this woman named, I forgot her name that he said, but the woman goes missing. And he go, he goes into the whole thing about how gradually they start telling you about the woman. Mm-hmm. And they have her friends on <laughs> and all this stuff. And, like, so you're just thinking, like, where's this going? Right. And then he goes into this whole bit about how he would have killed it. <laughs> like, how he would have set up this whole thing. And I was just like, that is fucking amazing. Norm MacDonald was one of the best. Yeah. And my last one, mm-hmm. I would say, is um, Larry Miller. Okay. Has this bit about the five steps of drinking. Yes, I and know that bit. Does, yeah, like he does like the whole thing mm-hmm. where he breaks down like as you go along the night and you're drinking, like what your body goes through. Yep. And that those three are my favorite bits. Nice. Of all time. Those are great bits. Everybody, you should look them up. They're fucking hysterical. And now... Because I opened for Paul Mooney for 150 years, yeah, he would always wrap his show up on street jokes. Those were his favorite things to tell, but he would Mooneyize them. Yeah. So all comics sit in the green room and tell the dirtiest street jokes or the most fucked up, racist, politically incorrect street jokes. Yeah. What is your favorite or your go-to street joke? My favorite joke I ever heard actually came from my uncle of mine. My, okay. My uncle Trail. He passed away last year, actually, Aww. at the age of 87. God bless. So we were at a family barbecue one time, mm-hmm. and um, this lady 
one of my mom's friends or one of my aunt's friends had said something to him, and he just looked at her and goes, I don't know who she's talking to. That woman, four foot tall and eight foot wide. <laughs> and I was like, what the fuck? Like, to think, because she was a big woman, and he right. was just like, she's eight foot wide. At 12, I was like, that's the funniest thing. <laughs> like, my uncle, yeah, he was, like, part of the reason why I started being funny. Nice. Because I saw, like, how he made everybody laugh all yep. the time. And he would just tell these jokes about having girlfriends and prostitutes. And he was married. <laughs> and he would talk to me about, like, yeah, I got I got a new girl last week. And I would be like, you ain't getting no new. Like, you've been married to the same woman for 40 years. <laughs> but, yeah, that was the street. Like, when he said she was four feet tall and eight feet wide. It Hilarious. was a simple thing. But it yep, was, it's just, but it puts it, yeah. She was so hurt for the rest of the night. Like, she wouldn't sit by him. She wouldn't talk to him. Well, if she sat by him, she'd still be eight feet away yeah. from him. <laughs> and I was just like, yeah, he's a fucking genius. Yep. Oh, that's yeah, hilarious. That was, that's the joke. I love it. Well, Mike, I love you for coming on the show Thank and you for sharing me. I love your. You too. I love you to pieces. Now, tell everybody where they can find you on social media and if you have any big shows coming up. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at Mike the Joke Teller. Okay. And that's pretty much all I use, really. I use Facebook, but I don't want right. people I don't know really. Yeah, get the fuck out yeah, of here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and I think I got a show coming up in the Poconos. Nice. At Scotty's. Okay. This place called, a place called Scotty's on August 5th. Okay. I have a show with um Steve Way, who's another disabled comedian. He's on the show Rammy on um Hulu. Okay. And I have a show with him coming up at Caveat. Nice. On August 3rd. So, yeah, that's that's pretty much, like, all I got coming up. That's fine. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think you're hilarious. And if you guys are out there, follow him at, at, at Mike the Joke Teller on Instagram. And don't forget to follow us here at Old School New School Comedy. I'm Christy Miller, and that's been Mike Favor. And we love you, and we'll see you next week, bitch. Bye. Yeah, yeah.